What a crazy week as we, uh, and we spent a bunch of time, more time than I ever spend looking at the news and trying to figure out what's happening. When we planned these series, we, we put together this series on Mark where we want to explain the good news about Jesus and we put together a series that kind of runs parallel to it on the, uh, we call it awesome, just the greatness of God. And each, each one of those weeks we want to handle just the specific attributes of of God. And so, so right after the election, we thought it was really appropriate to talk about what we call the sovereignty of God. I got a great phone call this week from a young man that's just starting to follow Jesus for a little while. And he, uh, he asked me a deep and uh, great question that, that maybe you need to ask. He asked me, when I pray, do you picture God? How do you picture God? Like, do you have a visual in your mind when you pray? That was, I thought that was an incredible question. So as we processed it on the phone and he asked me, he was just trying to to pray well, really. And and I was processing how I pray. And um, and so my my short answer was, no, I don't don't have this picture of God in my mind when I pray. Um, And... It was funny, like sometimes you ask a question and you're trying to figure out why you don't have a picture in my mind. And, and, and I, I came up with this answer in the moment, and I, I think that it's, it's right. It's because I'm afraid if I make a picture, then I'm going to make him too small. Because then the picture is actually what I think that he is based on my faith and what I've read in the scriptures. And, and then I would assume that my mind could capture his greatness. And so... Though I pray to a person, the person of God, um, I, don't have a, I don't have a picture in my mind. This particular Sunday, as we talk about the sovereignty of God, man, I, I just, I'm excited about getting to talk to you about it because it just shows his greatness. It, it enables us to interact with God, to, to love and walk with God, and yet, in our minds, see him for who he is. I mean, we can never fully understand his greatness, but the more I learned about his sovereignty when I was following Jesus as a young man, it opened up my eyes to his greatness. And and really, to tie our two series together, the more I understood about the greatness of God and his, his sovereignty, his reign on the throne, that there was no threat to him reigning on the throne, that he would always maintain power on the throne. All of those things, those, those are just really, really good news. You see, if God could be knocked off the throne, if there could be, like we talked last week, a coup or an election or, or, somebody, or, or some way to get him off the throne, then there would always be this fear in our hearts. Have we chosen the right one to follow? But instead, when we think of God as sovereign, as the infinitely sovereign one, never, ever leaving his throne, always in control of his kingdom. It's just really good news. That's why Jesus could be asleep in the boat. One, last week, we, we, we mentioned that he's omnipotent, that he's, he's all-powerful, so no storm really intimidates him. And at the same time, he's sovereign, so he, he controls it all. He's over it all. He reigns over all activity on this planet. Tony Evans takes an attempt at giving a definition. The definition is 
great definition, particularly with, I mean, who knows when our election's actually going to be over and we'll know who the next president of the United States is. He says, God's absolute rule and con- uh, sovereignty, God's absolute rule and control over all creation. Everything that happens comes about because he either directly causes it or consciously allows it. One more time. God's absolute rule and control over all creation. Everything that happens comes about because he either directly causes it or consciously allows it. I really came to rest in God's sovereignty. It was a, uh, it was a huge move for me as, as, as a follower of Jesus. So this morning I got up, uh, I went down to a little re- restaurant near our house called Creekside. I got uh, two scrambled eggs with cheese, grits, and four slices of bacon. I get that every time I come in, so the waitresses know when I hit the door. The only question is whether I'm going to get water or sweet tea. Today I got both. I'm trying to, a new system of drink as much water as sweet tea. And, and I made that decision on water and sweet tea on my drive over to Creekside. And so I think sometimes when we think sovereignty of God, the real, we, we get carried away. Like we want to know, did God choose two scrambled eggs and cheese for me this morning or did I choose it? And we get caught up in all the weeds and, and for most of us, it blows our mind. There's some philosophers that probably need to do this on our behalf and theologians that grind this out and write books this big. This message is not about whether God chose two scrambled eggs and cheese and how big the slices of bacon were on my plate or whether I chose them, I chose them, <laughs> right? Like for all intents and purposes, you and I, we chose what we ate this morning. We, we chose what we, that we were given that ability to ch- choose. And yet the scripture says that he knows the hairs on my head. He knows that mine are decreasing and, and that there's some gaps. Up. He, he says that he knows the hairs on my head. He says that he, he is actually has his eye on the sparrow. He knows every sparrow on the planet. So he's omniscient. He knows everything. When we talk about sovereignty, we're not talking about him choosing what I'm eating for breakfast in the morning. We're really trying to get our head around his greatness and his reign on the throne. I wanted to uh, just read from one passage, and this is a chapter in the Bible that is just terrific. It's a terrific book. It's called Romans. Again, if you know how your Bible works, there's, there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament, and then you got, at the beginning of the New Testament, you got these four books, and we're working through Mark. We call them the Gospels. There's the story of Jesus. And you got this one book called Acts. It's actually the Acts of the Apostles. It's a history of the very earliest of the church. And then you start all these letters. And the first one is Romans. Romans, uh, and it rolls all the way through with a variety of writers, but Paul wrote a bunch of them, and he's, he's wrote to this place in Rome, and so we call the book Romans. It's loaded. Chapter 8's loaded, and I'm just going to read a couple verses, and for some of y'all, you're going to be so disappointed that we can't spend more time on it. But I want you to hear them and let them wash over you, and I hope that for you, like they have for me, they will push you to worship a huge God that's beyond our understanding. Romans chapter 8, kind of toward the end of the chapter, verse 26 Check this out. You probably heard this if you grew up in church or heard some reference to it. If you haven't, 
It's just some amazing words. So I'll, I'll read them, and you should read them over again later and probably read the whole chapter to get the context. But here's what it says. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Don't read weakness wrong. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean, like, uh, helps you in the things that you're worst at. It means we're all weak. Every last one of us is just straight up weak, and he helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't, the writer says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. It's a really interesting line where, He says about you and me, Paul writing as the Holy Spirit inspires him, says about you and me in our separate homes right now that we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know what we need. And so the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. It's a higher level. So he takes and comes from our heart and communicates to the heart of the Father, which is is an amazing idea all in in and of itself. But always communicating what we truly want at at our deepest level. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So the Holy Spirit, a part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in perfect unity with the Trinity is entreating God on our behalf from our heart. I particularly like that it's in harmony with God's own will. So he actually, actually, when we pray, he's, he's taking our prayers and he's interpreting them according to God's will. So, for example, if you uh, have a friend and they're partying last night, all night, and they know Jesus and you're concerned about them, guess what's happening from their inside? The Holy Spirit is is crying out to God on their behalf, even while they're partying, like like even before they pray, because their heart, because at the depth of who they are, if they've been saved by Jesus and dwelled by the Holy Spirit, their heart is constantly calling out to align with God's will, even even when they're going the other direction. Pretty, pretty, Pretty cool idea. Under the stress of the election over the last few, whichever way you voted or whichever, how you felt the whole time and your mind's completely consumed with Fox or CNN or uh, any of the other channels that are are broadcasting this thing, the Spirit's still groaning, still groaning. The Spirit's still calling out to God, asking for the Father to help you rest in the midst of this. Pretty amazing passage because I think, man, one of the great, gifts that we've been given as followers of Jesus, the ability to speak with our mouth and speak to the Father. And yet, most of us, as we pray, oftentimes feel like we're not very good at or we don't know what to pray for. And this actually says the Spirit takes what our heart truly wants and communicates it to the Father. That means when you're in a ton of pain because of disease and you can barely get your words together, the Holy Spirit's still communicating to the Father to align you with his will. Maybe you just went through a divorce, and that's a pain that, uh, man, you never could have anticipated. You never knew that there could be this much pain. And the Holy Spirit, even when you can't get any words out of your mouth, continues to communicate with the Father. Maybe it's a disaster. Disasters look all different kind of ways. You can have a financial disaster. You can uh, 
You can have all sorts of things that go wrong and you can't get your head straight yet. So even when I'm panicking and in in a great hurry to make something right, the Holy Spirit is still speaking to the Father on my behalf. I want to win my will over so that I can actually get it out of my, my mouth. But the Holy Spirit indwelling me communicates with the Father. And that speaks to his sovereignty. It speaks to his reign over everything as he coordinates all the hearts on the planet who love him. It's craziness. It's way above my head. It's way above my understanding. It says in verse 28, and we know that that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? Causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. So so what about the folks in China that are in jail because they know Jesus? How is that for their good, right? For those that have lost their lives because they love Jesus, how is that possibly for their good? It's it's, it's a difficult question. It's a difficult question to answer unless you believe that God is sovereign and that he actually coordinates our lives for his glory. And so our good is connected to his glory. The best thing I could possibly do on this planet, better than loving Cheryl Reeves, better than loving the six children that I have, the two grandchildren that I have, loving my, better than any of those things is glorify the living God, which may mean that he gains glory by my suffering. And he coordinates all that and gives opportunity. When I was in seventh grade, I went to the skate rink with a friend. And we're walking around in seventh grade. You always have a crush on somebody, right? So there's this, this little girl in the seventh grade at McCants Junior High School in Anderson, South Carolina. And I began praying. I knew Jesus at the time. I began praying that she would show up at the skate rink. Sound like sovereignty of God. She, uh, I, I, I don't know what it was, but my, I was just longing for her to show up at the skate rink. I'm watching all these kids skate around, holding hands around the skate rink. And sure enough, after about 15 minutes, this little girl walks into the skate rink and my heart jumped for joy. I still remember. I'm 53. I still remember in the seventh grade this prayer that was answered by God in his sovereignty. She, of course, I didn't speak to her. I never said anything to her. She didn't even know I was there. But, but I prayed and she showed up. Now, I've prayed that prayer a few times in my childhood where, where I had the same idea in my head all the way through college of some particular girl that I had a crush on and hoping she would show up. And most of the time that was a no. But in this particular case, the seventh grade, for whatever reason, this little girl shows up at the skate ring. What, what, what do you think about that? God in his sovereignty put together billions and billions of decisions by her parents, by my parents, by my friend who took me there, by putting us in the same classroom. All those things work together for something trivial like me seeing a seventh grade girl across a skating rink and encourage my faith. It was for my good. It was for my good. And there's been many other times where it was a no. And it was for my good as the Holy Spirit took my prayers and interpreted what was best for me and for the glory of God and communicated. Like I said, this thing is way above our head. And what what I would like you to just consider is the complexity 
of all of those decisions made worldwide in God's ability to reign over them all and to coordinate them all. Most of us that are Clemson fans, we love some, some uh, Coach Venables, right? Like we, we, we love his coordination. Turns out this week he's even, he can even steal the signs from the opposing team, right? Like that's, that's in the news this week. And it seems like he can read their minds. It doesn't always work out. Sometimes we struggle a little bit. But it seems like he can read their minds. And we, we don't worship Coach Venables, but we are really excited about him. We watch him on the sideline. We love his energy because of his amazing ability to coordinate his 50 defensive players, 11 on the field, and get the most out of them. This is what I'm saying. The God of the universe universe, which is, which is shocking in and of itself, loves us and wants to coordinate those who he loves for his glory. And he uses the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually helps us communicate so that we, like, like the Clemson Tigers on defense when they're playing good, that so that we can beat like them and, and actually please the living God. It's shocking. Honestly, it is uh, one of the things as far as all the things that I've learned about our God that causes me to worship the most, that is his, his sovereignty, his ability to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Uh, what does that mean? Called according to his purpose for them. It's an interesting moment when I was young and following Jesus and deepening my faith and I, I really wrestling with death and what would it mean to die as a young man. And, and uh, I, I, I had to come to this point where if his glory, like if he gains more glory by my death, then I want, I want him to take me out, right, as, as a 22-year-old. And if he gets more glory by me living to 53, then, then that's what I want. And there's this, there's this really fun and healthy. It's a hard process to walk through, but there's all this rest when the bottom line comes down to the, his purpose and me yielding to his purpose. I can't control it anyway. He can overwhelm me anyway, but it's really cool when you take your heart and you lay it down to his purpose for me, to his glory. There's a second line. I skipped. The, there's a ton of great verses in Romans 8. Let me skip to the end. And this is what it says. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. It's just this amazing line as Paul starts off with this powerful, I'm convinced nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. He keeps on taking these opposites. Neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's sovereign. He reigns. Uh, I learned a new word this week, so I'll show it off for you. And I'm going to try to pronounce it right. And I'm really nervous. I've said it like 50 times to try to get it right. But it's antimony or antinomy, something like that. It's antimony, which is an apparent contradiction, which is just this really weird thing that we have to talk about when we talk about the sovereignty of God. Because if he's in control and yet I make a choice, how does that work? We're in the Western world, in our world, <laughs> uh, 
we just cannot live with two things that seem opposite actually coexisting. We've got to choose one or another. And the churches have divided over this very conversation. This word predestination that often gives people heartburn if you've lived in church for a while. Some get really excited about it and some really push back against it. Because we cannot get comfortable with God choosing and man choosing. We cannot get comfortable with free will and sovereignty. Those things freak us out because in the Western world, we need everything to fit in a box. But just be reminded, most of history... And other, other cultures right now on our planet, that just doesn't stress them out, right? Like they're comfortable with me choosing and, and God choosing at the same time. They're comfortable with the mystery of those two things working together. And I, I really want you to gain some ease about that particular mystery. I have a ton of rest because I believe those two things can and do work together, and it's just above my head. And so eventually, after churning through it hours and hours on end, trying to figure out if my prayers really matter, there's this great rest in believing that God is so great, that he is so amazing and big, that he can be sovereign and also give me the ability to choose, which is mind-boggling. But that's because he's so far beyond me, right? I'm not really qualified to even have this conversation. I'm undereducated. I don't have good enough IQ and neither do you, even if it's far greater than mine. Uh, Tony Evans tried to explain it, and I'll, I'll use this metaphor with you. If I'm driving down to Radius Southside, there's like four or five routes I can go, right? Like I can get on the interstate and it takes 20 minutes. I can make that choice. And I can get there in 20 minutes. If I want to go down 378, it's 24 minutes. And I might want to go down 378 just because I don't want to get on the interstate. And I just want to go a little slower, right? I could go down number one. It's 25 minutes. And the best part about going down number one is Zesto's is over there on the right. And I could take a 30-minute stop over there and eat four chicken wings and, and some fries and some sweet tea with the lemon. Anyway, I, I could go that way because I want to do that. Or I could go even the longer way and go 35 minutes and go across the dam and through Ernst. And if I need to stop at Harbison, pick something up, I could. Like, that's where the cheap gas is at Sam's, right? Like, I could do all of I could go all those ways. And Evans tries to expand it by saying that hey, you can choose how you're going to get there, but you're going to get there. God has determined that you're going to get to Radius Southside on 702 Whaley Street, and you have this freedom to choose inside of his choice. The metaphor does not fully capture the mystery of it all, but at least it gets us in the vicinity. Uh, God's determined where I wind up, and there's a ton of rest in that. There's a couple lines in these verses that uh, just should through your soul. The idea that nothing can separate us from God's love and then all of this chaos that he lays out, death or life, angels or demons, the things that f make us most afraid and, and most happy, none of those can separate us from a sovereign God's love. And so he coordinates it so that we get, we get to participate in this loving relationship with him and he gets glory. I'll just give you a personal example uh, to try to bring some light to it. When I went to college... And that's a long story in and of itself, right? All the coordination that made me end up where I ended up 
right? So I ended up in a chemical engineering class where the guy told me to look at the guy next to me and tell, me that, tell him that he's going to be gone next year. I just didn't know the guy next to me was telling me that because I was gone the next year. And I ended up going to this little Bible college and I moved into the dorms and I moved in I, on the second floor. It's called Harlow 2. I don't remember my room number. And I went to bed my very first night. There's only one bed in there. So was, there were single rooms. And when I woke up and went to breakfast the next morning, the room right beside me was a guy from St. Louis and his name was Carl Banks. Carl Banks was, Banks was an African-American. He and I started hanging out and we became fast friends. Right, so you got the coordination, crazy coordination to get me to this little Bible college and to get Carl to this little Bible college. He, he grew up not knowing Jesus, got saved his senior year in high school and ended up there playing football and, and gave up scholarships because he wanted to come learn the Bible. And, and I came a totally different, from a totally different place and ended up saying, here we are, side by side, rooms back to back, became fast friends, played all the sports together at the little tiny college because nobody was any good at anything. And, and we, we just developed this great friendship. Fast forward one night, we both had girlfriends. We're uh, watching this movie that everybody told us we should watch. It's called Brian's Song. Brian's Song is a movie about Brian Piccolo, a white running back, and Gail Sayers, a black running back, both playing for the Chicago Bears. And we watched the movie. At the end, the white guy dies of cancer. So everybody's kind of looking at me. And, and, I, and we're just enjoying We had developed this fast friendship. And my girlfriend, which is now my wife, Cheryl, kind of puts her hand on my back. And guess what happens? She finds this lump on my back. It's actually a huge lump on my back. And it's kind of crazy because we just watched the white guy die of cancer and, and now we find this lump on my back. And so I had to go home from college and he set me up an appointment and I go in and the doctor says, ah, it's just, it's just fat. You're good. It's just fatty tissue after a little bit of stress. And so I'm good. He set me up an appointment for three months later to come in and have operation to have it pulled off. So I come in three months later after all the coordination from me and Carl to me and, and to watch that movie and find that lump and show up at the doctor and have it removed. And when he began, when, when he getting ready for surgery, I said, Doc, man, my chest is killing me. And uh, he, he goes, well, just for, just for caution's sake, I'm going to run EKG. So he ran an EKG that day. I was 21. Sure enough. Next thing you know, I'm on my way to the emergency room because I'm having a heart attack. Never got the lump off my back, right? Like, like I'm on my way to the hospital having a heart attack. And long story, a uh, major heart attack and, and uh, kind of close to death multiple times over the next three or four weeks. And I had all this stuff going on in young John Reeves' mind, which is not very important in the, in the grand scheme of the world. And yet the sovereignty of God's coordinating me at the doctor, getting checked, and now at the hospital. And then this guy named Bob Cord walks in the door, right? And he uh, wanted to visit me, encouraged me, handed me this book called Trusting God by a guy named Jerry Bridges. You want to read it. It's a great read if you've had some tragedy or doing through something difficult in your life right now. And a big portion of the book was about the sovereignty of God. And I started reading. I was mad that I was in the hospital and feeling weak as a 21-year-old, but I started reading this book and, and the greatness of God began to grow in my mind. 
right? So, so I, the greatness of God began to grow in my mind. I went back to college and I'm sitting in a class called Christology, pneumatology. It's about God and the Holy Spirit. And I'm weeping. I made a C, only C I made in college. But, but I, made, I, I was so overwhelmed by the teacher teaching the subject about God that it, it was just moving my heart. I go to bed, best six months of my entire life to date. And I've had a lot of good six months as I started pressing in to try to understand the greatness of God on a daily basis because I just just was really close to death and I, I, I realized he could take my life at any moment and that was okay if I understood that he was reigning all the time. And so you, you, you got this kind of weird story I'm telling you that goes back to Carl Banks going to this tiny little Bible college in Iowa and me, and here you are watching a video in your house, listening to me talk about the sovereignty of God and tell the story about how God coordinated all of those events in some kind of amazing way to put me in front of a video, which I said I would never do, so that you could hear about the sovereignty of God. And potentially, if you make a choice here, which is a really crazy thing to say right now, you could push into his sovereignty and gain this joy that I gained when I spent all that time trusting him. I, I have to tell you, man, the rest of my years have been built on that trust and that trust has grown and there's a confidence that comes with it that, bro, I, I just want you to have it. I, I, some of how all this stuff works together, like his greatness and his ability to control and my ability to choose eggs and well, I don't know how all that works, but this I do know. When I humbled myself, <laughs> I was already humble in his mind, but when I humbled myself and submitted to his reign on the throne, great joy and this odd confidence came over me that I want for you. Today will be a day to commit to his sovereignty as you, as you view the election, to just commit to him staying on the throne no matter what happens, it gives you this confidence and this ability to walk the planet different. I want, I want that for you. There's one line in here I'll quit with. I can't do this su su subject uh, justice. It's overwhelming, but this line I thought was just uh, so encouraging. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So because he reigns and he is in full control, not even the powers of hell can keep us from his love. So I don't know what your week or month or year has been like. Most of us had a crazy year, 2020. I don't know what you've looked at what you've got hidden that nobody else can see. I don't know what, what you think disqualifies you from the love of God, but not even hell can disqualify you. Like, like the, the hell sought to disqualify you from, from having an opportunity to have a relationship with God, but Jesus on the cross sacrificed his body and shed his blood to defeat the powers of hell, not even the powers of hell can keep you from the love of God. Back to our choice question. It seems, again, in a very difficult way to understand that the only way for you to be separated from the love of God 
is for you to choose not to believe and for him to choose. And then those two things, again, go back into the mixer and out comes a mystery. But as you sit there, your responsibility, just like it was this morning, whether you wanted to get eggs and grits and four pieces of bacon, is will I or will I not choose to follow the living God and believe in his son sacrificed on the cross? He can handle the rest. He can figure out the mystery of it all. But in some way, the Holy Spirit is probably calling your name right now. I trust him with that, and I really want you to submit to his love for you. One more time. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Speaking to folks that have already believed, right? Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's me and you. If you know Jesus, we should have great joy and great confidence because of his sovereignty. And his deep love for us. Jesus, I'm talking about a subject that I barely understand. That men way smarter than me have written lots of books about. Uh, denominations have their different views on or even part from one another based on their understanding of your sovereignty. All I know, Jesus, is that as you explained your reign on the throne to me when I was a young man. It's one of the best things I've ever learned. It's one of the greatest things I've ever believed. It brought the most joy and the most worship out of my soul, and I want to remember it. I, I ask even today as folks take this in online with me, as I try to articulate this, this mystery, Lord, that I, I, I would, again, my, my mind would believe the greatness of your reign, Jesus. And that joy and worship would bubble to the top. Pray for that for every home that's trying to trying to process who you are this morning. That you would you would out of that process produce worship, true worship of your greatness. Lord, I hope that even as I pray to you right now, and I don't have a picture in my mind. I hope that you would continually broaden our understanding of who you are so that when we pray, we're praying to you uh, in an infinite way, in a, in a way far beyond our understanding. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his work even right now as I try to put together words and try to put together words that, that you can understand and yet I'm able to trust him to take my heart and put it right, right in front of you. And while I'm trusting him with my heart, I can trust him with all the hearts taken in this video. Lord, we, we rejoice in your sovereignty and we shout to the world in our simple voices that it's good news that you're sovereign. We love you. Amen.